Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, entrepreneur and technophile Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Spilling the seed of liberty every week here for you on Sovereign Tech, the golden stallion of the tech world, ready for another great episode, but not alone today. I have the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy with me. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much. I can vouch for your spilling the seed of liberty every week (laughs) and that you have a huge brain. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, actually, I mean, quite honestly, I like to spill the seed of liberty more than uh, once a week, but... (laughs) Well, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? Uh, Four (laughs) or five times a day. I mean, that's... uh, (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, this is episode 38. We're almost four. 40 episodes in, and I just, I want to say this right out of the gate. This show would not exist without you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are the producer of the show. I mean, and really the show just would not be what it is. It's been a great time. A lot of people really enjoy it. Um, and it, again, it, I just, I don't think it'd be what it would be if, if it wasn't for you. So thank you. And oh, thanks, thank you Brian. so much for being on. I'm really touched to hear you say that. I, I love being a part of Sovereign Tech and, you know, I was just, we were just having a conversation about this off the air. Mm-hmm. I am a total fangirl, actually. I love... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the fact that I'm the producer of the show. Yeah. If I didn't know you, I would just be in love with your podcast. It's it's really great. Might I've, have used different phraseology earlier, but yeah. Yeah, maybe, but we won't have to share that with No, no need. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. So, And thank you, everyone, for your lovely emails as well, uh, you know, for letting me know and, uh, you know, that you enjoy the show. Anyway, we've got a great story to get to uh, this week, and I want to get to it, but first, I got to get the obligation. When there's a big event in the tech world, you know, one of these big conferences, I like to talk about them a little bit. And this one was big. It's Samsung's Unpacked. It was in Berlin in Germany. Um, and I, I just, you know, the, there's a bunch of, it went a couple days and there was a bunch of products that they released that they unveiled. Um, but I want to talk about pretty much the three that I think everybody was really interested in. And one of them was really the first real contender in the smartwatch world, uh, which is, it's called Galaxy Gear. And the Galaxy Gear, it it is a watch. It has a little nice little screen on it. It's not even two inches uh, in size. And apparently you can... Um, you know, you can like somehow you can text from it, which I don't know how you're going to type on something that small. Uh, but it actually, I mean, by and large, it looked pretty good. Apparently the battery life will go an entire day. So it'll last with you until you lay down to bed and you, you know, you char- plug it into your charger at the end of the night. Um, when are they going to harness that technology that enables you to charge batteries with your skin? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I do know what you're talking about. I'm the not bioelectric sure. bioelectric field or whatever. Yeah, well, even last week, they t- I, was, I talked about, a, it was a story I got from a listener of the show where there's these devices that got charged by TV signals in the air. You know, and by wow. radio signals in the air. So there's no reason that this stuff can't be taken advantage of. Wow. Um, but they if just there's don't. enough energy in the air to uh, charge a battery, is that when it's time to put your tinfoil hat on? I know, right? Yeah, well, right. <laughs> it, it makes you wonder. I mean, they showed it. They, you know, uh, you can see the video where these people were doing wireless payments with no batteries, no, you know, just wow. just a couple circuit boards being literally powered. Is that like the- Tesla? What Tesla was working on? Kind of electric, like. 
There's that famous thing where he holds up the light bulb and it yeah, lights up, right? Yeah, the field. Yeah, it's kind of similar, but um, but it was suppressed. It's a conspiracy. Well, that's another story. But anyway. <laughs> sometime that'll be the next special. Yeah, yeah, Tesla. Um, that's right. And uh, a couple other devices that came out. Anyway, the Galaxy Gear to me it looks relatively useless, um, but as far as for what it is as a smartwatch not a bad implementation of it it's pretty good uh but a caveat is that it does so far it only works with other samsung devices you know other other galaxy devices so that's a limiting factor but there it is yeah uh, so you told me about this watch and that yep. it actually pairs via bluetooth with your with your smartphone right right so you can't really use it alone but you can make phone calls with it yeah you can like supposedly you can hold it up to your ear the watch itself and you can actually kind of like talk and, and make a phone call it has a camera of sorts on it i mean people can look it up you know it was big news but right but picture i mean okay i guess you could turn it around but picture <laughs> right now in the studio you're actually making a fist and you're kind of curling it down and you're holding up the back of your wrist to your right. ear which is a very awkward position your elbow right. is way up in the air right. your your shoulders kind of scrunched up but i guess if you just turn the watch around and had the face of it on the inside of your wrist you could kind of hold your phone your arm up to your ear just like you're holding up a cell phone to your ear which would be kind of similar, right? Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, I kind of like that. Actually, I, I used to, I, sometimes I still do, depends on how I feel. I wear my watch up, quote unquote, upside down. It was popular in the 90s. Um, I did it because it, the communicators in Star Trek, the motion picture, were wristwatches essentially that were upside down. Well, you were and, doing and that Kirk before. Would, it was cool. Yeah, Kirk would, would talk into, anyway, I mean, it's popular with the bodybuilders. Hipster because tech. the idea is, is that when a, when, when a woman asks you for the time, the bodybuilder, if he's wearing the watch upside down to where the face is at the bottom of your wrist, mm-hmm. you have to flex. Right. And Shows to, off the biceps. To look at the time, you know. And anyway. You want to uh, know so, a fun anatomical fact? Sure. Um, the biceps actually doesn't really do that much work in contracting the arm. It actually um, rotates the wrist. I did not It externally know rotates. So that's how you can really show off your biceps. And when you're doing curls for the girls... Mm-hmm. You can start with your your palm of your hand kind of facing backwards and rotate it so it's facing up. It's called uh, supination. Ah, okay. It's what the biceps does. Supination. Supination. That. No, I, As opposed I to actually, pronation. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, well, now you know. That's right. Okay. Well, let, let's get uh, real quick the other two products that were the big deal. The other one was the Galaxy Note 3, which is their phablet which is phablet is actually an official word now in the dictionary along with bitcoin which to me that that makes like I, a lot of people thought it was a real victory you know like this really big win for bitcoin to be in the dictionary but then i was like when you put in the word phablet <laughs> as well i was like come on that's that's like putting uh kajimagugu and Rick Springfield in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the same time. It's like you just totally invalidated the fact that Rick Springfield's one of the greatest performing artists ever because you put Kajimagugu in there. I don't Ka- even know who that is. They did a song called I guess Too that's Sh- the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did. They had a, they were a one-hit wonder, and they did a song called Too Shy. Too shy, 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 what, what, what? Anyway, it was just mm. a terrible song okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds it. Like- yeah um anyway so so yeah this is their new phablet 
it looks pretty cool. It's it's not bad. It has some new tech to it. The screen's a little larger. Uh, they got a smart cover on it that will actually only turn on part of the screen so you can see only the valid information um, and thus save some battery. And it has better battery life. Uh, all, all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, otherwise, it's just, you know, it's not that big of a leap from the Galaxy Note 2. So, but the real winner... In my opinion, is the they came out with a new tablet, which is the Galaxy Note 10.1 2014 edition, and this thing is stunning. I mean, it is a genuine iPad killer. Uh, has you know all the good stuff, micro SD ports, a great battery life. Even has like a leatherette back backing to it, which I like. Um, but it has a uh, depending on which version you get. If you get like the 3G or the Wi-Fi version, it actually has an octo core processor octo core yeah it's eight cores wow. right now if you get the 4g version you only get the the quad core um some would argue that you know the 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 octa core doesn't give you that much of a performance enhancement uh i think the performance enhancement would be through the roof and i'm very very excited about that if i if i had to pick a tablet right now uh, i mean the nexus 7 the new nexus 7 the 2013 nexus 7 is really nice but if i had to pick a tablet right now i'd wait for that octa-core galaxy mm. uh, note 10.1 i mean it is gorgeous and just a, a screen resolution that 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 beats apples which is uh, i mean that's something so anyway all that aside there's samsung unpacked for you there's my thoughts on it uh the tablet which is the one that people really aren't talking about much is oddly enough in my opinion the real winner of the show uh but let's get this is this is a great little article it's from bbc news by tim buller Will we ever want to have sex with robots? And I'll ask you right off the Isn't gate. Isn't that the question? That's right. That's on everyone's minds. <laughs> I'll ask you right out of the gate, Stephanie. I mean, how about it? I have had sex with robots. Actually, my first sexual experience was from a robot. Like <laughs> it's Johnny called, Five? No, it's called the Rabbit. The <laughs> it Rabbit. Was my first vibrator. <laughs> Is this like a man? One of those magic bullets? No, it's not exactly like that. It's a... Oh, gosh. Now we're getting a little personal here, aren't we? Oh, we don't have to go there. <laughs> oh, no. That's okay. Um, it was... It's it's a very popular sex toy that was actually popularized on the show Sex in the City. Okay. If you've ever heard of that. Um, there's a show... Several shows where it's kind of mentioned. Basically, it's... Um, it's a rotating dildo okay. with another attachment that's shaped like a bunny rabbit and right. the ears go on either side of your clit and they vibrate. Okay, so so this is sex with a machine, right? Yeah, but I doesn't mean, that count? Well, I think robot, I think automaton. It was great. I mean. Yeah, yeah I, I think automaton. I, I still think it's valid and, and please, I'm glad you shared it. I think there are people uh, having sex with robots right now, uh, probably, as they're listening to this. It's, it's probably... I wonder if there are more people who currently have sex with robots than who have sex with human partners. Yeah. Given the, the, the popularity of vibrators and all kinds of devices. I mean... Yeah, you know, I want to delve into the article, but I, I wonder if this counts as well, now that you mention it. Does this count the, you know, what the literal fucking machines? Like, you go to a website like kink.com or something where they have... Oh, they like have, the monkey rocker and stuff? Oh, yeah, like, they're, they're, they'll have, like, uh, you know, hydraulic machines that... <laughs> it's uh, pretty serious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, they look serious. I'm like, wow, yeah. what did that even cost? Because it's all stainless steel yeah you know, those I mean, are very expensive yeah but you know what that kind of brings up the idea like how what does it have to do to meet the definition of being a robot i guess you know yeah well i mean there are there are actual dolls that are shaped like women 
and they're warmed up to like kind of body temperature and they they will respond to you they have like a programming where you you'll say like oh baby and they'll say you are so hot or whatever (laughs) (laughs) probably in a more natural voice but you know they are very they're designed to be very human like but is a vibrator a robot is a is a machine like that a robot yeah and it is is a flashlight a robot i mean (laughs) right yeah right they have these things now you can plug into your computer and they're like sex toys but you can be watching a porn at the same time react yeah and it sort of does what's happening in the movie and i don't know those haven't really caught on and become super popular but you know is that a robot (laughs) yeah well (laughs) a sex robot let's see what the article says i got the feeling they're talking more about automatons and and that's kind of what i want to talk about but uh all great points anyway uh let's see meet roxy the sex robot with a triple triple x depending that her name roxy has three x's in it of course depending (laughs) depending on your view quote unquote she is either at the cutting edge of the human robot interface or a modern reflection on some men's difficulties in relating to real life partners while sex aids are nothing new what makes roxy different is that we've taken artificial intelligence and combined it with a human form says creator douglas hines of course humanoid robots have been the stuff of science fiction for decades ever since fritz lang's 1927 film metropolis we need to watch that you and i okay it's a day. and actually any of my listeners check out metropolis and and you'll find little little hints of things i've talked about in this show that are just sprinkled throughout that film but and are you know in past episodes anyway or isaac asimov's i robot stories of course which are absolute classics the reality is somewhat more clunky walking robots currently have little commercial value they are expensive and are prone to falling over if they are placed on anything other than a flat surface one of the best of the bunch is japan's all singing and dancing female robot hrp4c from the national institute of advanced industrial science and technology the main drawback of this type of robot is that they have a very short battery life. They only last for about 20 minutes. That's perfect. That's long enough. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, it could last 45 <laughs> seconds and it'd be fine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say about that uh, Advanced Robotic Technology Institute, they got basically the smartest Japanese scientists yeah. all together. And what did they do? They made a sex robot. Yeah. Right? Well... I'm, of course. I mean, that's human ingenuity. I, quite frankly, if if I had a reason to gather the brightest minds on the planet, it would be how to propagate more sex in the world. But Yeah, I guess that gets at a really existential question, right? Like, what's the meaning of life? If it's pleasure, if it's joy, then, yeah. you know, they're... They're furthering life in the universe. Yeah, I'm. I'm you can, Ayn Rand, you cannot say that's anti mind, anti life. It's actually pro life. Yeah, it's very pro life, actually. Yeah, and pro mind. <laughs> pro <I> rationality. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is enough for a rather impressive dancing routine from HRP4C, says the team, but for little else. One practical application for biped humanoid robots is the entertainment industry, uh, provided the robots can move more realistically like humans loving the robot in 2007 the british chess player and artificial intelligence expert david levy said in his book love and sex with robots we would be having sex with robots in five years this is in 2007 so obviously that time frame is past um and be capable of falling in love with them within 40 years huh 
his argument is based on improvements in robotic engineering and computer programming and extrapolating from the income generated by the porn industry each year. Such robots would be a terrific service for mankind, he argued. As for Roxy, she weighs in at 60 pounds, is five foot seven high, or five foot seven inches uh, high, and comes with a variety of hair colors, movable limbs, and lifelike skin. She is the brainchild of electrical engineer and computer scientist Douglas Hines, founder of TC Systems and True Companion, who formerly worked in the artificial intelligence lab intelligence lab at AT&T and Bell Laboratories. He says the sex robot developed from his firm's line of healthcare robots, which were designed to look after elderly or infirm patients. That's pretty interesting. Um, our skill set is based on commercial and military robotics. Duh. And what we did is we looked for an opportunity in the marketplace to apply that technology. One very obvious market is healthcare, but there's a less known, uh, which is gaining more and more momentum, which is the sex industry. I think that's part of healthcare. Uh, yeah, so he's definitely Heinz is definitely talking about, you know, uh, like an automaton, something that's going to mm-hmm. react to what you're doing, something and... that a person could fall in love with. That's yeah. a really interesting um, point that I thought about. You know, does I wonder when he thinks that the quote unquote singularity is going to occur? You know, yeah, that's a good question. Because I mean, if I... he's thinking that robots will be able to, that humans will be able to fall in love with robots in 40 years and the singularity is going to occur before that then yeah i mean pretty much at that point man and machine are melded right and well yeah i mean that depends on your definition of singularity but one of them is like the transhumanist future Mm -hmm. and in that case man and machine is melded so then could you fall in love with the machine i mean it's a question of it becomes far more a technology question in my opinion with this kind of thing that 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 heinz developed it becomes a question what is love Mm-hmm. And I think the implications, when I read this, I think the implications are kind of scary. And the article doesn't talk about it. In that, is love you telling your partner what to do and they do it? <laughs> yeah, that because that's my the, definition of love. That's all Roxy does. Right. Well, I don't think anyone's saying you could fall in love with Roxy. I mean, you might get sort of a chemical reaction that's kind of like just because your brain is fooled into thinking this is sort of similar to a human partner, just like you might feel sort of loving feelings after like a hookup or an encounter with a prostitute or something like that. Uh, But they're not really real. You know, it's kind of just a just a neurochemical response that happens. You can't really help it. Your rational mind can kind of override that, you know. Sure. But uh you know, some people I think would say that love is a response to virtue. And sure. if a machine doesn't have the capacity to make choices or, and to make moral choices, then it can't be virtuous because it's just responding to whatever its programming is. Right. So then you, you can't really love it if that's your definition of love. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the question is that I'm sure, you know, some listeners will ask or people may be asking is, but what if the robot can make its own choice? Yeah. Well, then, then guess what? You didn't buy a machine. You might have bought a person. <laughs> yeah. Then and it's like, slavery. is it ethical to make them your sex slave? It, no, yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. And I think, and, and I've said this before, I've said actually on your show, Pork Therapy, and I've said it on my own show, that the instant a computer or any kind of AI, whatever, tells you it wants to do something that it wasn't programmed to do or is contradictory to perhaps to his programming essentially so yeah same thing you need to start asking yourself hey wait a minute (laughs) yeah you know is this alive yeah i think when something has its own desires it becomes alive 
In fact, it becomes sentient. I think when something acts outside of instinct, which one could argue that programmable skills are instinct, mm-hmm. um, when it acts outside of that, you, you're, you've got your hands on a brain. You've mm-hmm. got your hands on a conscious being of some kind. And uh, yeah, so so I mean, there. You know, I don't. I don't know. I can definitely see society, especially men. I hate to say that, <laughs> uh, but really, I can see them loving this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, not loving or lusting this thing. I should say, Roxy enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, enjoying it, and that there would. I totally agree. There'd be a huge market. Mm-hmm. You know, an absolutely massive market for it. Well, look at the market for prostitution right now. Sure. Go. Do you have a thought that you wanted to finish? No, no, no. Please go ahead. Well, I was just thinking. You know, for some people, they can have sex with something and it doesn't really matter whether that thing wants to have sex with them. Like it doesn't, that's not really registering for them. But for some people, an integral part of their pleasure is knowing that whatever they're having sex with wants to do it too and is getting pleasure out of it. And so, you know, I mean, actually, I've talked with some friends who have had experiences with um, like basically hiring sex workers right. where they were like, I just didn't enjoy it. You know, she was staring at the ceiling and looking really dissociated and I just couldn't get into it. And yeah. I think that's a very common experience, especially for people who really feel empathy for their partner and derive a lot of that pleasure from knowing that their partner likes it and wants to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And how can a machine like it? <laughs> you know, how can a machine, no, right. they, they can simulate liking it. They can simulate wanting to be there but will the person kind of know that and get faked out or will the will it be convincing enough to kind of simulate that um idea of the the partner actually like really wanting to take part in the moment you know i'm fascinated by that question yeah me too i mean my answer to this like could i fall in love with roxy you know with a robot could no no i i couldn't um in fact could i even enjoy fucking roxy Probably not. I don't know. I really enjoyed the rabbit. Well, <laughs> right, but I mean, but that—that's pretty clear, you know, that this isn't like that's not necessarily. But is simulating. it just a glorified vibrator? I mean, is it just a glorified sex toy? You know, it, it looks more like a human. Yeah. It's easy to say. Well, I won't get caught up on that, but well, it can be great. Like when something has a program that feels really good, you you know, it can make you orgasm. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, now I mean, first, uh, you know, just little personal about me you know i'm not i'm not a huge one i don't i don't mind using toys on a woman or her using toys on herself or whatever that's fine with me. i think it's great um i've never enjoyed male sex toys myself uh and i, I don't know if that's if that's you know relevant to this mm. but what i really enjoy in sex is the real knowledge that the person like wants to join with me mm-hmm you know, and uh, that, that Roxy's not going to do that. But do you have to have that every time? Like if if you had a partner, let's just say, who really wanted to be intimate with you in every way and you had a loving relationship and then you had Roxy just for getting your rocks off once yeah, in a while, do you think that, that would be fun? I guess it, it answers the question of cost. Is Roxy $50,000? Because then my fantasy in my head does that job very, very well with my hand. <laughs> Well, we'll be back with more.
We don't have to what? What do you mean you don't have to take your clothes off? What a bunch of sh- Okay, okay, no, you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good time, but come on, we all want to, don't we? <laughs> I just, who who writes lyrics like that? I can't believe it. Uh, anyway, let's get back to Sovereign Tech. Tech Roulette. Want to play? I always want to play. It is Tech Roulette, and I am joined by the lovely voice that you just heard, In the Flesh. Not a machine. Oh, yeah. Not an atomic machine. No, no, no. By the lovely Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Thank you so much for being on. So, yeah, uh, this is really fun. Yeah. Oh, this this is great. And we've, we've got a great show lined up all the way. I'm, I'm sure everybody's enjoying it so far. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> can I make a public service announcement real quick that Please. pertains to the last segment? Please. Um, there's a popular male sex toy called the Fleshlight. Yes. The listeners may be familiar with that. I would suggest if you are a person who loves liberty and human freedom uh, to boycott the fleshlight because it was actually invented by a very sadistic former LAPD cop who bragged openly to uh, Reason Magazine about, you know, choking people that he was interrogating using just abject violence and, and, uh, you know, making them literally, um, you know, basically messed their pants yeah. <laughs> when he was interrogating them and he thought this was funny and bragged about it and yeah. this is the guy who invented the flashlight yeah. which i find a little disturbing i mean yeah, it is you know i like sex toys i'm a sex positive person right but it it is kind of disturbing that somebody like that in invents basically a disembodied vagina you know <laughs> yeah no you're right and and i'm kind of a two minds on it because actually they're like now they sell those they sell these with models that uh, are based on actual porn actresses right. nina hartley one of them and, is nina hartley yeah. and i i love nina uh yeah I mean, me too she she's fantastic and if she somehow gets royalties from it i think that's great well she uh, does but the cop also gets some too yeah and so it's a it's a real catch-22 so well but there are lots of other brands out there that right. make very similar products right um there was one Okay, never mind. I'm not going to endorse anyone's, but there are are alternatives to the flashlight, and there are reviews of them that you can look up, and um, I think they they can be just as good, if not better. Oh, the gripper, that was the one that I had heard of. (laughs) It's supposed to be really good. Anyway, I don't know because I don't have a penis, but uh, do your own research, and if you if you care about. socially responsible te- sex toys then uh, right. you may want to avoid them. No, I, I think that's I'm actually really glad you brought that up. I think that's a great point and and of course I I would actually I would totally agree that that maybe look into, you know, who <laughs> who made this stuff, uh, you know, you could find like any product you buy, you could find something that the manufacturer does that you don't like. Sure. However, when it's that egregious, when it's that obvious and you know it and it's staring you right in the face, it's kind of hard to ignore. You know, it's like yeah. it's really easy to know that information and just choose not to buy that particular brand, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of like how I feel like with Blackberry. I've constantly told people do not buy blackberry i mean because they blackberry develops qmx which pretty much powers every um fighter jet every oh. uh nuclear sub every nuclear power i mean just all, oh, all pretty much every evil thing in existence runs off of qmx software and well, they got to make up their sales somewhere I mean. uh, yeah <laughs> and and the company's still up for sale 
Wow. Just this week, they announced that BlackBerry is up for sale, and someone's going to make a mint off QMX because it's used in all the f- by all the finest militaries in the world, all the finest killer oh, uh, killing gangs in the world. Anyway, um, anyway, let, let's let's go to Tech Roulette. Let, let's get to the story for this week, uh, and this is interesting. Uh, this is also from the United Kingdom, but it's from the the Huffington Post. Um, physicists to test if universe is a computer simulation. Uh, now this might be anti-life, anti-mind, and anti-reason. <laughs> anti- <laughs> because of course, one of Ayn Rand's main tenets is that existence exists. A is A. That's right. And if it's all just a computer simulation, then guess what? Existence does not exist, and A is not A. A is binary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, we'll get into the article here. Uh, physicists have devised a new experiment to test if the universe is a computer. A philosophical thought experiment has long held that it is more likely than not that we're living inside a machine. The theory basically goes that any civilization which could evolve to a post-human stage would almost certainly learn to run simulations on the scale of a universe, and that given the size of reality, billions of worlds around billions of suns, it is fairly likely that if this is possible, it has already happened. Um, just that's right a out of... a mind-bender. <laughs> yeah, that's a mind-bender. I mean, just right out of the gate on that. Um... This is what your uh, tax dollars are going to support, right? Research Something to like test that. whether we're in the matrix. Yeah, uh, th- this is really pop. This has another name, mm-hmm. and philosophically, it's known as the brain in a vat theory. Right. And that was started back in ancient Greece, right? Oh yeah, who, yeah, it's very was old. It Plato, idea. who was who was the person? Uh, no, who- I want to say it was uh, Aristarchus. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, anyway. I mean, th- yeah, this is a very, very old idea. And now they're just trying to, to to test it out. But the point I wanna I wanna interrupt with is that they're saying the likelihood it's pretty likely because out of billions of worlds around billions of suns, it's fairly likely possible. I just totally disagree myself. Theoretically, uh, I I totally disagree with that statement. That just because there's billions of planets and billions of suns, that there has to be billions of inhabited worlds. I don't think that's true at all. In fact, it's called the Drake equation, which says that that most likely, yes, that means that there, you know, statistically there should be that many. But the problem is, is you have you kind of have what's called the Fermi paradox, which says that, okay, but if there's all these planets out there that are inhabited, we should be getting radio signals. We should be getting some kind of radiation or, you know, radio signals, whatever, from all these other we we should see them. They Mm -hmm. should be out there. And we don't. If it's that prevalent, there's no way we should miss it. And that's that's what's called the Fermi Paradox. And well, they're just aiming them away from Earth, Brian. That, that, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Because the world's full of sin and they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, but, but, I mean, my answer to the Fermi Paradox is just quite simply that Drake was full of shit. And that... The, <laughs> you know that the, his math was skewed and actually there's proof to or there's there's evidence to suggest that drake and carl sagan and some of these guys fudge the numbers mm. um in their equation you and, gotta expect there's going to be a lot of um emotional bias in that like because there are some people who really really want there to be aliens oh, sure. out there that they can connect with or oh, whatever sure. and we're going to kind of talk about actually later oddly i didn't even plan this but a little later in the show and listener email we're going to kind of talk about the kind of groups of people that would want that to be true oh boy cool um yeah so anyway we'll, we'll keep going with the article uh the theory let's see uh 
And if it has, well, then the, st the statistical likelihood is that we're located somewhere in that chain of simulations within simulations. The alternative that we're the first civilization in the first universe is virtually absurd, according to that kind of, like I said, the, according to the Drake equation logic, which I just disagree with. Um, and it's not just theory. We previously reported that the researchers at the University of Bonn in Germany had found evidence the Matrix was less than fiction. Uh, that story was by far our most popular of the year, indicating it's something about which you have, uh, uh, you lot have wondered too. Now, another team had devised an actual test to see if this theory holds any hope of being proven. Professor Martin Savage at the University of Washington says, while our own computer simulations can only model a universe on the scale of an atom's nucleus, there are already signatures of resource constraints constraints which could tell us if larger models are possible this is where it gets complex what's a signature of resource constraints um i'm gonna guess it there's a link here that goes to another story i'm not sure exactly what they say about that of course any listener you know it's in the show notes soundcloud.com slash sovereign tech sovereign tech.com uh and you can check it like out physics jargon yeah basically. i get the feeling they may be talking about gravity because oh. gravity doesn't make sense in our universe. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't know its nature. And in fact, like when they say we only know 4% of the universe, that's kind of the idea that actually there's only, only, only 4% of the universe is really visible. We don't know what's like bringing in the rest and how all this stuff's working. Like there's, oh. there's not enough mass in the universe to account for the amount of gravity that there is. Uh. And so that's where there may be resource constraints is that somehow gravity, like I, I actually with, with what's called M theory or membrane theory, uh, is that gravity is actually leaking from another dimension. And that, Whoa. yeah, I know it's a far out thought, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that in mind, you know, one could say, I could see where someone would take a story like this, that were a simulation, that gravity is being fed in from the program. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that explains why gravity is, is such a, you know, mind fuck as far as physics goes. Uh, so anyway, we'll just finish up the story real quick. Essentially, Savage said that computers used to build simulations perform lattice quantum chromodynamics calculations, dividing space into a four dimensional grid. That's all that means is that we're figuring, you know, we're looking at it with every visible dimension that we can, and that's four. Um, doing so allows researchers to examine the force which binds subatomic particles together into neutrons and protons, but it also allows things to happen in the simulation, including the development of complex physical signatures that researchers don't program directly into the computer. In looking for these signatures, such as limitations on the energy held by cosmic rays, uh, they hope to find similarities within our own universe. And if such signatures do appear in both, boot up baby, we're inside a computer. If you make the simulations big enough, something like our universe should emerge. The question is, can you communicate with those other universes if they are running on the same platform? Uh, now, that would be a long-distance phone call. <laughs> anyway, that, and that's the end of the article. Um, so what I don't get is, are they trying to disprove the idea? Because like, in science, you're always trying to falsify things, right? So they're starting with the theory that we are in a computer simulation and they're trying to falsify that yeah it looks like their starting hypothesis is that we are okay you know so and that you know that should be falsifiable right under right. The, under science right. so that's cool right and so they're looking into these various signatures um to see you know if it's so now you know people say but is well, that really falsifiable though because if you if they don't find the signatures then couldn't it just be like well we didn't see them 
that's possible but also if you do find them why is there only one answer you know why why is the only answer that it's a computer simulation when with membrane theory we're finding new dimensions all the time uh well not just i mean anyway uh, <laughs> i don't think i understand this well enough to really judge how valid of like a scientific study it is i mean and i yeah. have a phd in biochemistry but i don't understand this shit <laughs> sure no right now well physics is crazy yeah. i mean there, there's points of physics that that just you know blow, still blow our minds like light light is not just light light's not just a photon you know it lights mm-hmm. a it's a particle and a wave how the hell is that possible mm-hmm. we don't know um yet and, you know, and before somebody like writes this off out of hand as, you know, well, this is ridiculous. You just look at The Sims, the game, The Sims by Electronic Arts. Uh, there it is. There's a simulated world. And to some degree, there's AI involved in that to where, you know, the, these these people that you're kind of, you know, this universe, this mini universe that you've created with The Sims or even Sim City, which is a miniature city. It's all programmed and it's all kind of running on its own with some degree of randomness or at least... They're like little Tamagotchis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> reference. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, how would it affect your life if you believe that you were walking around in a, inside of a, the Matrix and if you knew that, like if you had taken the red pill or whatever. Well, as, as far like where my thought process goes on this is that let's say they proved it. I could just see a whole bunch of Christians and Jews coming out and saying, and the Ten Commandments, that's that's the programming code. Like that's the registry. <laughs> and if you don't follow that, you know, you're a null unit and you're, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're Gosh, clogging up the system, a man, null unit. Wow. you know, because they'd say, well, this is God. See, God created this, you know, this, uh, this universe. And I, mm. I, I just, I could, th- the sad part is, is that, well, really, if this were true and I don't believe it is mm-hmm. okay. But if this were true, I, I get the sense that, you know, religious people would use it as proof. As to where it should look as the exact opposite. It should be like, no, guess what? It's a computer simulation. There is no God. Right. But it's <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's kind of irrelevant, though. Like, unless we could, unless there's some way we could get out of it, like if we could get out of the matrix. Right. And we could see the vats or whatever. Right. <laughs> that were the brain in the vat. It's it's irrelevant. Like your life is going to go on by the same rules that you have learned by like observation since you were a baby. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And so why change anything? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I operate under the assumption that we are not in the matrix. Right. But even if we were, if we can't get out of it, then what's, to change you know well yeah and this is where i think it fits in really well with we were talking about roxy in the last segment okay and what if roxy suddenly said i don't want to do what you tell me um in my in my opinion that becomes life and you know that becomes conscious life and with that in mind because they 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 give a really nice question at the end where they say you know what if we could talk to the other simulations you know, the other universes within the universe within the universe or, you know, like how many times has this gone down? Like they're saying, what if we are the first world, which they say is statistically impossible. Um, but what if we could talk to the other simulations? And if we did, because we're just a simulation, does that invalidate us as existing? In my opinion, no, because just like if Roxy suddenly tells you, no, I'm not going to do what I'm programmed to do. You know, as as soon as we stop complying, as soon as we, you know, we practice non-compliance with, our, say, our programming or the simulation right. or whatever, we're a conscious being. Yeah. 
And so you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right when you say it doesn't change anything. You go on with your life, Mm -hmm. you know, and just work on making a better you. And and, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and contemplate that. Like if you're, if, if somehow windows could, uh, you know, if, if windows could on its own become a better operating system. Talk about a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, actually windows might be doing it. They just fired Steve Ballmer. (laughs) So so I think windows, I think Microsoft actually is like the, the code itself is getting more intelligent. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, (laughs) but you know, why not? That'd be great. I'd love it if, if my Linux distribution could get smarter. Yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. In fact, I think Google's try. Honestly, I think they're trying to design their OS to do that. But anyway, uh, so so yeah, I mean, it's it's intriguing. You know, I to to say that this is a computer civilization or a computer simulation. Uh, I just I don't know I I don't that that gets into like questions like well how do you knew how do you know that when I see a canary the color yellow you see is the same yellow as I see yeah does it matter it's yellow right right I mean <laughs> the, the idea is to connect it. with the human being yeah. we're, we're 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 connecting you know and and mm-hmm. that's what matters um and it it just it, wow does that get in, in into woo woo land and into like, I, I think... Yeah, like, that's what I'm wondering about this study. Like, why are they interested in this question if the outcome is, like, kind of irrelevant, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it'd be interesting to suddenly say, you know, well, this is why there's so many, like, crazy things in physics, because, you, you know, uh, be, because it's actually a computer simulation, and there's, like, cheat codes Mm-hmm. built into the simulation and that's what keeps us from going faster than light or that's what keeps us from doing that uh, but still I agree pretty irrelevant because my life's not going to change no. I'm still going to have sex <laughs> 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 we'll be back with more this is Sovereign Tech Once upon a time long before the dawn of digital technology and social media analog dinosaurs roamed the earth Free thinkers relied on underground newspapers to spread their radical ideas. If you thought that underground newspapers were extinct, pick up a copy of Obsolete Magazine from Obsolete Press. Each issue of this old-school newsprint tabloid is packed with original DIY articles, counterculture essays, science fiction stories, and artwork by a list of international contributors who are dedicated to smashing the status quo. Obsolete Magazine is available from obsolete-press.com, and Obsolete Press offers special discounts to readers who use Bitcoin. Social media is great, but Obsolete offers a reading experience unlike anything on the web. The underground newspaper is alive and well. Read Obsolete and get your hands dirty. Wow! It's a website of the week. It is time for Website of the Week, where I cover a website that I find interesting, useful, sometimes even terrible, uh, but those don't come up too often, because there's so many great things out there on the internets that, uh, you know, why not share those? You know, because, you know, you can use them as, as much as I do, or hopefully, you know, enjoy them as much as I do. But I have a guest on today. I'm joined by Stephanie the lovely and hyper-intelligent Stephanie. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Brian. (laughs) It's really nice to be here to do the show with you. Thank you. And when I have a guest on, you know, I give them the option. Do you want to talk about, you know, some, like some of your picks? Do you want, do you want to do a pick of the week or whatever? And so Stephanie had a website of the week. And so why don't you tell me about it, Stephanie? 
Okay, well, the website that I wanted to talk about is called BitcoinAverage.com. It's uh, just the way it sounds, BitcoinAverage.com. And what this is, is if you're familiar with Bitcoin, um, it's a digital cryptocurrency, right? It's right. taking the world by storm. I think all of your listeners probably know what Bitcoin is. but Yeah, it's definitely a thing I get asked about the most. Okay, cool. So um, so people probably know what it is, but in case you don't, it's a digital cryptocurrency and a payment system. You can send payments anywhere in the world, no borders, you know, very, very not costly to do that. Right. And uh, it's great. But the problem is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fluctuation in the exchange rate between Bitcoin and various fiat currencies. Right. And by fiat currencies, what I mean is... Uh, currencies that are issued by central banks, governments, right? That are you know fiat is by law or by decree, right? Right, like the U.S. dollars fiat, uh, the pesos fiat, and yeah, go down the list. Paper yeah. money, yep. You know, this money has value because the government says it does, right? <laughs> Whereas Bitcoin, there is no government to say it has value. It just has value because people value it. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm looking at Bitcoin average and I see a price at the top, $120.26 USD. What is that telling me? Okay. So um, there are various Bitcoin exchanges where people can trade Bitcoins for US dollars or right. Japanese yen or whatever. Yep, you got MT Gox and Yeah. Mt. Gox like was the king of the hill for a while. They had 80% of the volume back in uh, 2011, but right. they've had a number of uh, major major, major problems. And right now, I don't even believe it's possible to make uh, fiat withdrawals from right. Mt. Gox. They've got this moratorium on doing that because the banks that they're working with are giving them a lot of shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's because they, it's because of all these rules and regulations, right, mm -hmm. uh, that exist in the U.S. And so, you know, they're having issues and they don't, as a result, they are not the top dog anymore. They don't have the majority of the volume. And there are lots of other Bitcoin exchanges that have popped up. But it's really interesting because the the price of Bitcoin in U.S. dollars, let's just say, or other fiat currency mm -hmm. on these various exchanges is pretty much like directly proportional to how much of a pain in the ass it is to get money in or out of the exchange. <laughs> so, for instance, with Mt. Gox, you can get money in, but you can't get fiat money out. Right. So that means the only option to withdraw your money is to convert it to Bitcoin. So that drives up the price of Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. Right. On the other extreme, we have an exchange like BTCE, which is a Russian exchange, and it's very difficult to get fiat money into that exchange. Right. You got to do a wire transfer to some sketchy Russian bank and nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Or you got to buy this certificate and get a code and redeem the code and it's just a real hassle. Yeah. Uh, so nobody wants to do that either. So uh, as a result, the f price in fiat is low on BTCE. So how do we reconcile the different prices on these different um, Bitcoin exchanges? Like, let's say I go on local Bitcoins and I advertise, hey, I'm selling Bitcoins. You want to buy my Bitcoins? How do we know how much you're going to pay for them? Well, um, there's this website, the Bitcoin Average. What they do is they take all of the major exchanges and then they take the exchange rate on each of those exchanges and then they um, multiply it by the volume, the percent of the you know, the percent of the total trading volume okay. of all Bitcoins being traded on each exchange. So, so this, it's weighted according to the volume. Okay. So is this like the best gauge for the actual value of Bitcoin? Yes. Because it, okay. it integrates all these different prices. See, now that's 
beyond useful, especially if you're doing something like local bitcoins mm-hmm. or, uh, or you know any any kind of trading with it. You can say no, this is the best value. It's like, what do you want to go by? Do you want to go by BTC or do you want to go by Gox's price? It's like, no, let's go to BitcoinAverage.com. Right, and, and actually, it has a it actually has a spot. Local bitcoins is my favorite exchange because it's decentralized, totally pure. Oh, I, I think it's incredible. Yeah, and it actually has a thing that tells you what percentage of the volume does local bitcoins have, and right now it's two point about 2.2 percent incredible yeah I, I i mean there's just a ton of statistics here uh definitely worth a look uh, it says it's in beta but i mean in, in the computer world when things are in beta usually you're pretty good bitcoin's in beta yeah bitcoin's in beta <laughs> right i mean when it says alpha i get annoyed but when it's in beta rock and roll so bitcoinaverage.com i think it's fantastic yeah yeah love it all right we'll be right back with more this is sovereign tech don't get goxed don't get goxed <laughs> empty cocks time now for 90 seconds on sex with dr paul a listener who hasn't gotten past second base wants to know if vaginas feel almost hot on the inside and have bumps or ridges in them well for clarification we're talking about the inside of the vagina as opposed to touching the outside of a woman's crotch, which is called her vulva. Once a woman begins puberty and starts producing more estrogen, the surface of her vagina goes from being smooth to having ridges that can feel like little bumps. These are called rugae, and they're in the first third or so of the vagina. After menopause, a woman produces less estrogen, and the rugae or ridges decrease, and the vagina starts to feel smooth inside. While no two vaginas feel exactly the same, the ridges might feel a bit like the ridges on the roof of your mouth, only fleshier and more fun. Also, the roof of the vagina might start to feel more taut as a woman becomes more aroused. Now, as for a vagina feeling warm or hot, that's true as well, but most guys will tell you it feels warm in the best possible way. You may have heard the classic movie reference that an aroused vagina feels like sticking your fingers into a warm apple pie. Well, given that plenty of listeners enjoy both, you might try putting your fingers in each at the same time and seeing for yourself. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. It is time for listener emails where I answer emails sent in to me via the various channels of uh, of Sovereign Tech. And in fact, real quick, new email address for Sovereign Tech. I'm very excited about this. Now, it's not, I I, I announced in the past, real quick, I am being joined by the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you for having me here. Oh, yeah. And... The new email address was originally going to be SovereignTech at SovereignTech.com or like questions at SovereignTech.com. But I went with something that might be controversial to some listeners. Uh, I am, I'm actually using, I got invited to use RiseUp.net. Um, and I won't go into, you can look into RiseUp.net for yourself. But anyway, SovereignTech 
at riseup.net is the new email address. Basically, uh, you've become an anarcho-commie. Yeah, I'm a commie. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you have been accepted by the red and blacks, right? Yes, you had yeah. to have an application process. Yep. You had to tell them why you hate capitalism, literally. Yeah, actually, one of their tenets is that you can't use this to support capitalism. So I'm sure the listener emails are going to flood in. But guess what? You're going to have to send it to the commies, <laughs> or at least to their servers. Um, now, what, what would they do if somebody was found out to be promoting capitalism using that email address uh they i think they would cancel the account and how would they know uh that's a good question someone would probably have to report them saying mm. that hey you know that like and i could see that i could actually see that kind of happening um it wouldn't be any different than like your facebook account getting reported for putting something up someone would say hey you know no this is being used by sovereign tech sovereign text this yellow and black show which it's not uh no. <laughs> but um you know and and i, I like i said i could kind of see that happening but you, you got to understand riseup.net like the services they offer are insane they have their own vpn they have their own jabber service they have their own you know e encrypted email service I mean, it's a full-fledged system designed for activists in anarchy, um, and 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 I think it's great. I I support them. They're even they're doing like an Indiegogo right now. Go for it. You know, give them five bucks. I I think it's tremendous what they're doing. They're one of the few safe havens left. Is it secure email? Yes. Wow. So yeah. okay, that's something that's pretty rare these days, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can only log into it if you're going to do it online. You can only log into it via Squirrel or IRM, I think. So I mean, very very secure channels to be used. Um, but anyway, so Sovereign Tech at RiseUp.net. You can get in touch with me there. Of course, you can also still use SovereignTech.com and be completely anonymous, other than perhaps your IP address. I suppose I should say that. That's probably going to be there, unless you're anonymizing that. Uh, anyway. Let's let's get into the question. And what happened was, is last week there was an article that I read on the show that was about how popular culture is like preparing us for a technocratic um, future and for like a technocratic elites to take over the world. Now, the thing was, is that when I got reading the article and I started talking about it, I actually never talked about what technocracy or what technocratic elites are. <laughs> and so people are wondering, and I even titled the show, you know, you're going to have to read what technocracy is. That's literally what I named the show. Oh, boy, I can't it, wait for this. Yeah. So what are technocratic elites? And technocratic elites is based off of the idea of technocracy. Technocracy is an idea from the 30s. Uh, some guy, Howard something, I forget his name. Um, I could probably look. Yeah, Howard Scott. Uh, he, he came up with the idea. And the idea is this, basically, in, even though this word can get used with a few different things. But the idea is that instead of politicians and business people and economists running the show it's scientists engineers and technologists and now, they're in wait charge just a minute sure i'm a scientist i don't really feel like i'm running the show no right that but that's because we're not in a technocratic uh you know society we're, we're not in a people technocracy who claim that they're that that we are yes so, but that's, see, that's where the, everything gets kind of, kind of screwy. So the idea of, with technocracy, of having scientists, engineers, and technologists running things is that they, they really control and create the means of production and, and what even gets create you know, made and, 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 and all of that. Uh, so at first blush, you know, I remember reading about this years ago 
And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. It's I'm like, sure that didn't help the conspiracy theories about Sovereign Tech and you. Well, yeah, it definitely didn't help the conspiracy theories about me. But I, I mean, because, you know, in a lot of ways, if you think about it, like Star Trek's a technocracy. And that's that was the point of that article from last week was it was saying that, you know, they're, they're all these, you know, shows and movies, they're preparing us for this really high tech future where there isn't money per se um, and everything, you know, you you have, you know, you have readily available access to to health care, you know, to these now machines how, that can heal you. How are you going to do so much science such that you rule the world with no money? Um, well, that's the thing is that like their claim, I, I, I actually read a lot of the stuff by Howard Scott from the thirties and his idea, his plan for a technocratic democracy or for a technocratic society was that he would make a huge, um, uh, hydroelectric plant pretty much that, that covered the bulk of North or that, that, that covered a good chunk of North America. Sounds like you need money to do that. Right. And so there, you know, there's definitely an ugly area between A and B and, (laughs) (laughs) and in, in so doing, then you have all the energy and then energy is actually what brings on real value, not money is, is their idea. So you would have essentially, instead of money, you would have energy credits in this society. And who administers those credits? Uh, there must engineers be and scientists and well right yeah yeah i mean you have so many that you can use during the day and the idea is this is similar there's other groups like this that are they're quasi technocratic like the the venus project i was just thinking it sounds like the venus project yeah where, where they're saying that you know we have the, we have the ability right now to produce all this stuff and you know but the 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 big question becomes well who's going to fix it you know right and, and it sounds incredibly centrally planned Oh, it's insanely centrally planned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and there's the first thing that turned me off to to technocracy and like to Howard Scott's original ideas was that cars would go away. Oh, says who? Yeah. And <laughs> like there wouldn't be individual means of transportation, which, you know, some people that's where some people say maybe this guy, you know, whispered in the right ears because that's what they've been pushing for a long time is for there not to be individual transportation. You know, that's one of the reasons I feel more comfortable living away from cities, honestly, yeah. because I really enjoy transporting myself places. Yeah, yeah. I, I Having think, a car. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people say that having a car, you know, like the fact that everybody has a car is a very American ideal. I'll grant you that, that in America that, that became really plausible because, you know, of the wide expanses between our cities or whatever. Um, but... I don't think it's an American ideal. I think it's, you know, an individualist ideal mm-hmm. that I have control of my ability to move as fast as I want to move and go wherever I want to go, whenever I want to go. Well, it doesn't as long matter as you don't go over 65 miles yeah, ex- an hour. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you have the proper paperwork <laughs> and you pay the state. Yeah. So have a little picture of yourself in your wallet. <laughs> right. So, so to me, that's where technocracy just, in for the first point, fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's ridiculous. And actually, as I've admitted on the show in the past, when it comes to cars, I'm a full on conspiracy theorist. Uh, so, so this is one of those areas, I guess, maybe where I might fall under that too. Um, so technocratic elites taking over, you know, they want to control all the means of production. Um, the difference being is that like what the article is talking about with technocracy, I don't think that if there's an agenda being pushed, for people to get used to the idea of, oh, how cool would it to 
would it be to live on a spaceship or a space station and you know you can get you get free health care and you you know you get access to like replicators and all this wonderful food and blah 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 um I don't think that that means a production by if that was an agenda being pushed today would be by scientists, engineers and technologists. It would be pushed by the business people uh, or really just, quite frankly, sadistic, you know, controlling people. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's plenty of those. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but I mean, but that's that's at base level. That's what technocracy is. Um, now, is there some truth to the idea here? Here's, here's kind of a caveat, I guess. Is there some truth to the idea that energy, uh, says a lot about the value of money? Yes. Uh, I think part of the reason the ruble is always taken very seriously is because Russia, you know, gets a shit ton of oil. You know, I mean, they, they have a lot of natural resources to access. And so the ruble is always taken seriously. In fact, a few years ago, um, you know, at, at one of these various economic, I don't, I don't think it was the World Economic uh, Forum, but at one of these places, you know, Russia said, look, you got the greenbacks got to go. The, the U.S. dollar has, <laughs> has to go as the as the reserve currency of the world. That's it's bullshit that it's the reserve currency of the world because it's not backed by anything. And so for but for Russia to say that. They have some, I, I think, in the world of fiat currencies, they have some credibility to say that because they say, you know, we are backed up by our natural resources, our gold, our oil, our, you know, go down the list of everything they've got, and they've got plenty. It's a huge, still a huge country, even mm. ever since it's not been the USSR. Uh, so, you know, so there's some truth to that, that, I mean, like the idea, that's where the idea can sound kind of plausible that things should be based on energy. Yeah, maybe they should, because what's the dollar based on? It's based on bullshit. It's based on force. Yeah, it's based on force, right. The so, force of government. Yeah, yeah the force, yeah, it's based on violent force. And so, so to some degree, you know, technocracy can look very, very attractive. But if, if it is something that's being pushed, like, like I said, like the article last week was talking about, um, it's not being pushed by the people that came up with the idea of technocracy. It's not being mm. pushed. It's not like that pure form. Um, and then it turns into, you know, well, it's just like communism where communism in and of itself is a great idea. It's just no one's ever implemented it right. When everybody, oh, geez. Yeah. Right, where, where have we heard that before? Exactly. And what's the answer to all of that? It's all centrally planned and that never works. Right. Communism is centrally planned. It doesn't work. It can't work. Technocracy is centrally planned. It doesn't work. It can't work. Um, yeah, I think we, we really ought to get out of this paradigm of somebody has to be in control and somebody right. has to be pulling, you know, orchestrating things and, you know, let spontaneous order work. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. let people govern themselves, you know. Right, right. And every time, you know, in, in, these, in, in these shows in science fiction, which displays these technocratic societies um, with technocratic elites, you know, everything's hunky-dory, but then there's always freedoms you don't have. There's always, you know, little little things you can't do. You, yeah, you got to stay within the system somehow. Right. Somebody wants to have a car. Somebody wants to use money. Forget it. Right. You can't do that. <laughs> so you want head. your own little shuttle. You want to go visit Mars at 2 p.m. <laughs> you can't. So, again, that's the problem. And that's central planning. Anyway, there's your answer. That's technocracy. We'll be back with you. The third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon.
Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launched. Return fire. Well, freeze them. Freeze them. Watch Babylon 5. You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the wb.com slash shows slash Babylon 5. Software of the Week. It is time for Software of the Week, where I cover pieces of software that I find useful, um, sometimes terrible, like Google Hangouts. Yes, it's still terrible, uh, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. I think it gets more coverage on Software of the Week, because every week you mention how terrible it is. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I just I can't give it up. You no know? publicity is bad publicity, Brian. Yeah, I suppose, but I mean... <laughs> like, I. I you know, I so love all you have so to do is just make a horrible piece of software, and Brian will mention it every I'll, week. I'll make sure everybody knows just how bad <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, you know, I lo- there's so much that Google makes that I enjoy, uh, even though I I'm, I am kind of degoogling myself as of late. Um, Ooh, tell that to Stefan Molyneux. Really? Why de-googling. is that? Degoogling. Degoogling. Oh, it's like defooing. Defooing. I'm degoogling. Yeah. Well, for a technologist, it may as well be defooing uh, if you try to get away from Google. <laughs> but um, anyway, and you know, one one of the products actually that that I that I do use and that I really like um, that Google has is Google Drive. Now, I assume Stephanie. Of course, I'm being joined by the lovely and hyperintelligent Stephanie Murphy. Hello. And I mean, you use Google Drive, right? I use it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't rely on it super heavily but it is pretty useful for yeah. collaborating do you do you like dropbox more yes i like dropbox okay. more okay so anyway the, the software of the week this week it's called box cryptor and that's b-o-x-c-r-y-p-t-o-r that sounds incredibly sexy yeah it, it's pretty sexy what hey, it does baby, crypt my box <laughs> um and it's boxcryptor.com you can go and check it out and what this is it's encrypting Essentially, you you have you know if you sync your your Google Drive or your um, your Dropbox with your what's on your PC, uh, which is the most common way these things are used at least right now. Um, you can download Boxcryptor, and what it does is it gives you the options with via Google Drive or Dropbox or Box or SkyDrive, pretty much anything or anything that uses like uh, what do they call it WebAV, um, ABV or whatever like own cloud or something and it will encrypt whatever you want whatever files you want encrypted to go up there uh and that's cool i've been looking for something like that actually it's pretty handy and it's it's definitely better than like google recently announced that they're going to be encrypting stuff in google drive believe me it blows that away um the encryption gets done locally on your computer this isn't perfect this isn't per se open source. This isn't, you know, I mean, there's that's a, always the thing with closed source cryptography. It's like, how do you know that it's really encrypted? Yeah, and- that's always scary, you know, and, and I understand that. But if you are looking for some degree of, uh, you know, encryption with, you know, with, with your, your cloud drives, which I think is a good thing to at least start looking into. And maybe even using Boxcryptor would show the demand, um, you know, for it, then I, I think it's, and it's free, it's free to use. There, there's, there's expansion, uh, you know, like there's, there's, uh, you know, premium services that mm-hmm. you can pay for with Boxcryptor. So how does the other, like if you're sharing a file with somebody, how does the person decrypt it? 
Well, that's that's the gaff. You, you're not you're not going to be doing that. So this is oh. mainly for like your own stuff. I see. So it's like if you want to make an encrypted backup that's stored on the cloud. Right. Right. That's encrypted before it's uploaded. Yeah, and I think it's something. Supposedly. If if anything, it's a good practice to start getting into. And I wouldn't have recommended this a year ago, you know. And I, but I say this all the time now in our post prism world. Let's get used to encrypting the shit out of everything. Um, and and so if, if anything, you know, let, try this out. See what you think of it. You can look more into you know what exactly what actual encryption processes it uses. Um, I think it's handy even, you know. A fact is that, okay, say the NSA can break into anything. There's other people besides the NSA that are interested in your stuff, even like personal, you know, bad relationships that you've had or who knows what, but people that want to look at your, you know, stuff. So even on a local level, yeah, you know, encrypt it. So check it out. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network. A collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Just a minute, Mom. Game Talk. It is time for Game Talk, where we talk about video games on this show. And I am today joined by Stephanie Murphy, Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Oh, hello. Hello. And do you play video games a lot? Basically never. Basically never. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. (laughs) There's, yeah, I don't have time for that crap. But uh, (laughs) there's this one game that I kind of enjoy. It's um, Flash Classic Daleks from a show that you hate called Doctor Who. Well, yeah, Uh, (laughs) I hate the modern implementation of of Doctor Who. This was from the old school Doctor Who because I was introduced to this game at the ripe young age of four on my my dad's uh, old Macintosh. And it came with this game where you were on like a field and you're, I guess you're Doctor Who. You're in the telephone booth. The The TARDIS. TARDIS, right. And then there are Daleks <laughs> that are coming to get you, and they move a step closer to you with each click, and then um, you're trying to make them crash into each other so that they don't get you first. Right. I right. do enjoy that game. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually, I have seen you play that quite years a bit. Later, no. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool. I mean, I can definitely see the fun in it. I mean, you know, some could say it's it's a relatively simplistic games, uh, game, but I think a lot of times the those simple games like Snakes, I don't know if you know Snakes, where it's like two snakes kind of... You have to keep them from hitting each other. Oh, yeah. And they curl around. I mean, it has a bunch of different implementations, but... That was called Worm on the old Mac, okay, and I loved that game, right. too. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Oh, uh, just, just lots of fun. bringing it back. Yeah. I'm going to have to find some new versions of these. <laughs> well, anyway, let's jump ahead to the very much the here and now. Um, and this, this story is a little... Well, well, we'll see what you think of it, but I think you could relate to this. Um and it's from Kotaku, which where I get a lot of stories from. Just a great, great blog on gaming. Uh, and it's by uh, Stephen Totillo. And why female soldiers were finally added to Call of Duty's multiplayer. I have a guess. Go for it. So the guys who play can look at them. You know, actually, that's not... 
I don't know if that's going to be Steven's conclusion, but that's not a bad, that's not a bad little theory <laughs> because to, okay. I have another theory to condition women to join the military and start killing people. Well, that, that would be more applicable, I think, to Katy Perry's music video, part of me, but no, anyway. that. <laughs> um, but that's possible too. Uh, but actually just to your point, that's interesting. You bring that up about t- to see women. I'm, I am a, admittedly a huge Mortal Kombat fan, and I would play with Sonya Blade. In fact, I still do. <laughs> I'll play with Sonya Blade. Not my favorite character from Mortal Kombat. That would be Reptile. No jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, um, but but I would play with Sonya just because it's like, whoa, you know, and I would say in my teenage brain, whoa, the chick. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that now, but anyway, look at that. I would say, look at that hot chick. Her Whatever. eyes are up here. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, she would even do, you know, it's funny because Sonya Blade, she would hurt one of her special moves in Mortal Kombat is she would literally do a handstand, wrap her legs around your head. Oh my. And I mean, it, it, it's easily very like I don't think I erotic. would complain if somebody did that to me. No, if, if, a woman, a woman. if a woman did that to you, I'm yeah. sure you wouldn't. Let's complain. fight. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't complain either. But you know, anyway, yeah, let's do this. Uh, yeah, anyway. So if anyone wants to do a Mortal Kombat role play, rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> You're on. Oh How much time do we have left in the show? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so so in Call of Duty, let's get to it. Uh, they are now finally allowing for female soldiers. Um, there is no great suffrage movement to credit for finally enabling players of the world's most popular first-person shooter to kill each other as female soldiers. For better or worse, that's not how these things tend to happen in video games, certainly not this time. With the announcement of playable female soldiers for November is sure to be a blockbuster, Call of Duty Ghosts, that's this November 2013, the long-running gender barrier in COD multiplayer finally shattered today, thanks to advances in technology. Adding female soldiers was a matter of adding a new feature to the the game, one that the creators say wasn't technically possible before. See the folks at Infinity Ward, the studio behind the game, decided that this year they were finally going to let players customize their characters. They were going to let them change their heads and bodies. We really want players to feel more connected and engaged with who they are as a player, Ghost executive producer Mark Rubin told me earlier today. We felt that... Uh, that was something that casual players, who are a huge portion of our fan base, would benefit benefit the most from. Our fan base is huge. We cover such a dramatic range of people who play our game that we wanted to be as inclusive as we possibly could with character customization. And that's where the idea came from. Why wouldn't we have a female option then? The chance to play female soldiers has been call, has been for Call of Duty multiplayer has been just that, uh, an option not offered. While other popular multiplayer shooters like Halo and Gears of War added female character options long ago, COD has stuck with only letting you be a man, multi-million selling annual release after multi-million selling annual release. What took so long to let players finally play as women? A lot of it was the engine, Ruben said, referring to the tech that runs the game. Our previous engine would not handle that. The way memory worked in the previous engine, it would what? never would have been able to Siri, do that. No way. That's I, yeah, bullshit. I agree. I, I think it's absolute <laughs> bullshit. Um, I'll read a little bit more and we could talk about it. Women and men are the same size in the new Call of Duty. That bit of equality is due to simple video game fairness. COD is all about your character shooting other characters while not getting shot, after all. It'd be an advantage to be a shorter or skinnier than other player characters and a disadvantage to be shaped differently. 
So essentially saying if you weren't as bulky as a woman, um, you you know, snipers oh, couldn't we, get you as well. We couldn't have a fat woman in a game. Uh, well, that well, well they're be... saying they're going to make them the same size. So they're saying they're actually, they're not going to make them like so female shaped. It's just going to be a gender role. But see, now that that's where it becomes bullshit. Because like you said, the idea that it was because the graphics weren't there. Look, there's no change. Yeah. That's what they're telling you right there is that, no, we're not going to make them shapely. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to give them actual female figures. So what? You could program long hair on a guy to make it look like a woman. That is a crock. Uh, (laughs) There's something they're not telling us. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the article ends. There you go. Don't thank any major social movement for getting female fighters in the game. Thank technology and game balance for letting you finally be able to play as a lady soldier in Call of Duty. Uh, Can't put that on a half dollar, but hey, progress is progress. Uh, Reference to Susan B. Anthony, whatever. That's not progress. No. (laughs) (laughs) Giving, uh, really. Giving women the ability to vote wasn't progress. No, I, no, nobody. Let's have nobody vote, and yeah. how about nobody can join the military? Yeah. In fact, as a man, I would like to lose my ability to vote. Yeah. Because it's meaningless to me. I would not like to see anybody be uh, invited to join the military. Right. I'd like the military to not exist. And yeah. I'd like voting to not exist. Either. Yeah. Exactly. So now this is, you know, this is kind of weird. I don't know what to make of the whole thing. Uh, I do know that, yes, lots of girls, lots of women do play Call of Duty. I know that for a fact. I've, I've played with them. Um, not Call of Duty so much, but, you know, this was years ago. Anyway, um, so, th- so they, they, you know, they will play that. Uh, do they? I don't, I don't think they haven't. I've never heard a single woman say, I wish I could be a woman in this game. Like, I, I, I just it's it's never it's never really come up i do agree that being able to customize characters makes a game very attractive it's a it's a small thing but it does make a game very very attractive but i don't think any of those answers measure up and i don't know i really don't know what what the answer is and and it's not like and, and we can say you know are they like programming you know girls into like wanting to join the army well women can't be infantry uh, last I knew is that right in the army yeah okay you, you can't be you know you can't be an 11 Bravo uh, or 11 Foxtrot in 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 the which is infantry essentially um, if you're a woman um, last I knew now that may have changed but I think I would have heard about that uh, so you know I don't know if it's that and again you're not getting the opportunity to really like make your character very shapely um i actually you know speaking of the idea of you know advantages and disadvantages of body type if you created a woman because they're talking about create a character if you created a woman with large breasts that's target yeah you know so i i i don't understand quite frankly i have no answer to this but it is interesting all i know is that the answer they're giving is shit there's it's just not true a bunch of shit it's a bunch of shit (laughs) but sovereign tech isn't we'll be back with more are you searching for a mouth-watering all-natural sweet and sticky treat what if i told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom just like you you're not dreaming this is real head over to mandrick.com that's m-a-n-d-r-i-k.com there you'll find george's famous baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's Famous Baklava also has a treat for you. Golden delicious, low-carb, gluten-free almond cookies. 
order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com for George's famous baklava. Hacker Stories. It is time for Hacker Stories, where I talk about the real heroes on planet Earth, uh, hackers, or I talk about security issues. Uh, and as when I mean hackers, I mean them all. Black hat, white hat, gray hat, you name it. Um, they're, they're all good in my book. And But this week, we're going to kind of talk about security issues. As I've stated in the past, I did kind of have a... Um, I had sort of a... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, a, not a ban, but I guess I'll, I'll say a ban. Or I was boycotting news on the NSA. News on PRISM, anyway. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the listeners have demanded it. And uh, also, I'm joined by Stephanie Murphy. Thank you for being here. Hi there. Yeah. And, uh, you Can know... Can I make a small suggestion? Please. That I just wanted to jump back to the last segment where we talked about Call of Duty making uh, female characters. Yes. I would like uh, the listeners to email you their conspiracy theories about why why that is. What's yeah. the real reason behind that? Yeah, actually, if you do that, I'll do a whole game talk on it. So cool. listeners can email me if you have thoughts on it, please. And I've gotten great, great, actually, in particular for game talk, I've gotten great, great emails where people have come up with stuff I never even thought about, like why humans play games. And it was it was tremendous uh so please you know i have a very intelligent audience i know that um at least they can come up with a good like made-up story yeah come up, yeah, yeah you can come up <laughs> with something crazy it doesn't have to be real come up with something crazy if you want but anyway uh put on your tinfoil hat and email sovereign tech at rise up dot net yep. right? and if exactly sovereign tech at rise up dot net um yeah thank you for repeating that i need to say that a lot more um but anyway um, this is, we're going to talk about Prism and pretty much what came out this week, uh, actually credit to, to Daryl Perry at FPP.cc, uh, just a, a tremendous talk about a Liberty activist. He, <laughs> this, this guy, this guy never stops, you know, and he doesn't and, stop. That's true. No, he doesn't stop. And he is anyway, I, I love Daryl. Um, in fact, I was on his show recently, Peace, Love, Liberty Radio, uh, and you can find that in the Sovereign Tech feed, or you can go to soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech, and it's right there, and you can, we, we had a great talk. Anyway, he's, he gave me this story, and this is, this is a new release. There, there, the, the Snowden thing with Prism, I mean, there, the Guardian has, Glenn Greenwald in particular, has just has tons of papers, and supposedly we're still only at the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah, Glenn Greenwald said do. the worst is yet to come out. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure, the, the article doesn't say, I'm wondering if this is, if if this article's true, I don't know how it can get much worse. Because what this article essentially says is that, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, there's no need. What this article essentially says is that the NSA uh, has been involved in software development for the past decade or decades, and they can just crack anything. Like any, pretty much any kind of encryption, any kind of encryption you've got, they'll break it, you know, and, and it, and it just doesn't matter. Uh, now things like OTR off the record, um, you know, a lot of your private and public key stuff, I don't think they're cracking that, but anything like if you, if you use, um, you know, anything that's like SSL, which is when you're, if you look in your address bar in your browser and it says HTTPS, 
that means it's SSL. It's secure, supposedly, you know, and... and, and I thought SSL wasn't that great anyway. No, like, it's not. And we've known for a while that it, that it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so, so that's not so much of a shock. Uh, but it, yeah... Essentially, the the idea is, and and this also comes in line with the past couple weeks, there was a PDF that went around that was really popular that was saying that, uh, you know, it was, it was, maybe it's legit, I don't think so, but this PDF was saying that, uh, you know, we can already look into TrueCrypt, we can look into... We being the NSA. We being the NSA, the government, whatever. And it was all done, it was it was supposedly written, but it was a presentation devised, This that's why it's a PDF, presentation devised by a police detective, saying this is how encryption works. And the PDF said that, yeah, there's backdoors into everything. You know, you can get into TrueCrypt, you can get into all this stuff, and the PDF looked pretty legit, mm. until you get to the last page, <laughs> when the author signs his name, and the name is Detective... Stu Pitt. <laughs> and so I think that's crap. Co-authored by Detective Harry Bott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's another funny name in it too, but I can't recall what exactly uh-huh. it was. But anyway, I, I think that's that's utter crap. And, you know, partly because with TrueCrypt, the FBI, there's a very famous case where the FBI, now you can say, oh, well, that was just them doing the mock-up so you don't know. Because there was a very popular case where the FBI got their hands on, on a computer and it took them three months to break TrueCrypt. Yeah, I was thinking of that too. Like, right. haven't there been documented cases where people have used TrueCrypt to right. in, evade you right. know, authorities being able to look at their data? Yeah, and supposedly, like, like you know, the, the various authorities around the world have to do, uh, I forget exactly what they call it, but where they literally freeze the RAM, like they run into the room with liquid whatever, and, and they freeze the RAM of the computer so that they can access the computer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christoph was talking about that. Right. I think we friend. talked about it on this show. Yep. We, we might have done that. It was I forget. episode three. Yeah, episode three. It was a great episode. <laughs> Loved having Christoph on. Um, a real live hacker, you know. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. And, yeah. And, uh, y- you know, so, like, why do you have to do that if you can just break into everything? Like, that is such an extreme way of doing business. Yeah. Uh, that 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 would just seem asinine. I mean, you know, just lie and come up with something else. Even if you were, like, trying to deflect your real abilities. Come up with a better story. Something that doesn't have to be, like, so extreme. Because right. they actually do it. And they do it a lot. It happens tons of times throughout the year. Um. But here's the real problem that I actually want to talk about with the story. Again, you can look at the links in the show notes. It's fine. My real problem with this story is that the idea that they can just crack into anything. I don't believe it. Because a lot of this stuff that that this paper even talks about is open source and someone would have seen it. Someone should have seen that the NSA could do this. They have whole security audits, right? Where the point is to determine, is there a backdoor in these things, right? Exactly. So, By the way, doesn't the NSA, like, the NSA itself uses encryption. Right. And they want to keep their stuff secret. Right. The, there are government agencies that want to encrypt their stuff. So right. why would there, I mean, I I would feel surprised if there was actually a backdoor in everything and nothing is actually safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, but here's the really kind of like scary part of this that again no one else is really talking about and that's part of the reason i do sovereign tech is that if this if this is a real nsa paper and snowden really put this out i don't believe it and so that puts everything up in the air 
Oh, as far as the other stuff he said? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. You know, some of it now, some of it the government's admitted to. Okay, so I suppose that's without question. But then I I feel like this, this invalidates a lot. And this kills a lot of trust because I just don't believe it. I, I don't believe that TrueCrypt somehow has a backdoor. I don't believe that, uh, you know, a, a whole slew of these things that, again, are most of them are open source. I don't believe it. And it's not that I don't not want to believe it because... You know, if it were any other thing, I would believe it. If they said the the NSA built a backdoor in micro in Windows, I'd believe that. In, in, oh, of course, in no time. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> you know, in fact, the NSA has been involved in the security software for even Linux. So I would believe that that they have a backdoor into Linux. That's fine. I can believe all that. But all this other stuff, you, nah, I don't know. I, You're not and, convinced. Yeah, and and the real problem with that is not that it's not true. It's that what does that say about everything else that's been released so far? And that's scary. You know that that that's a scary. Well, thought. the government's basically admitted that everything is true that Snowden yeah. has said up to this point. Yeah, right? so far. So, but I don't know. Like, then who's playing the game? You know what I mean? I, it's just, I it's such a mess. Yeah. I, I don't know. So so this this just, for me, really... Trust no one. Yeah, it just tosses everything in the air. Just do your best and be a pain in the ass with your encryption. <laughs> I'll be back with more. The most incredible television event ever as you join the crew of Battlestar Galactica. Right here, you creepy crawling... for life in a hostile galaxy. Most of us are dead. Alone, with only one hope, Battlestar Galactica and her crew. There is no other destination. Commander Adama, Captain Apollo, the intrepid Starbuck, and the dazzling Athena, searching for a new and peaceful world. We may as well live for today. We might not have many left. Let the attack Adventure, Battlestar Galactica. Would you like to play a game? Game of the Week. It is time for Game of the Week, where I cover, you know, this isn't Game Talk. This is where I cover a game that I'm excited about. It could be a game that's out, a game that's, uh, you know, coming up real soon. Or, you know, it could even be a game coming out in in two years. Who knows? Um, And actually, this falls under the ladder. Uh, And, of course, I am joined by Stephanie. Thank you for being here. Hi there. And this game is I I personally am really excited about this. Um, And it's being funded by a Kickstarter. And it's like a lot of games on Kickstarter, quite frankly. You know, it's just smashing barriers as far as the amount of money that it's making. Um, It has a, you know, multi-million dollar goal and it's doing it with ease and it still has a lot of days to go. Um, And this game is Mighty Number 9. And... (laughs) You know, what? what's the big deal? What is Mighty Number no. 9? What does that even mean? And it's a game being made by, by Kaiji Anafune, who is one of the main guys behind Mega Man. And pretty much what he's doing is recently, in fact, there's even the, you know, it was like the big 20th anniversary or whatever for Mega Man uh, this year or last year. Um, he's He's like, okay, if Capcom isn't going to be respectful to Mega Man, then I'm just going to make a whole other franchise. And it'll be Mega Man just with another name. 
Uh, and in, in this case, the character, uh, has the name of Beck, which I, I think is, is pretty cool because I don't know if he chose the name Beck because of, uh, Tron uprising or not, but, uh, but good choice in name anyway. So it's mighty number nine. You can donate to the Kickstarter if you want. The game's not going to be out for a couple of years, but it is going to come out on steam and pretty much the more money the game makes, uh, you know, the, the more platforms it's going to be available on and the more they're going to unlock all of which I'm sure is great. And, and, and I really like, it'd be awesome if it was out for Linux. Uh, did you ever play Mega Man? Did you ever play a no, Mega Man I game? I never did. No. Okay. I missed out on a huge part of culture that I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I, I really like, cause a lot of it's pretty pointless, <laughs> you know, I mean, Mega Man's a lot of fun. Uh, in fact, I've had great conversations with someone who actually has an advertisement on the show, Mandrick about Mega Man. He really loves Mega Man. He even wears a Mega Man t-shirt. Um, he even had a kidney stone that was shaped like one of the bosses in Mega Man. <laughs> How many people can say that? Yeah, right. Um, so if you love Mega Man, I do, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the games. Um, you know, check this out. Mighty number nine. It, it really, really looks great. And you can see some screenshots. I think there's even like, you know, of course there's the obligatory Kickstarter video that kicks it off. Um, and you know, you're just going to look at it and go, Oh, okay, great. It's Mega Man, like enhanced Mega Man with really cool graphics, uh, which, which is awesome. So it, because Mega Man did really, now you say, you know, what about, uh, you know, why can't Capcom just do this? Because Capcom, if, if you played Marvel versus Capcom three, uh, the fighting game, Mega Man was actually a playable character, which I thought was awesome. And then when you actually, when you, you know, which isn't a, in the other Marvel versus Capcom games, he was a playable character too. So it's not new, but what happened was if you beat him in story mode, Mega Man is this like fat doofus, quite frankly, uh, you know, when you, when you get to the story end of it and you see how it goes and he's like, he's just this goof. And, you know, you're talking about one of, like, the coolest and greatest video character, video game characters of all time who has defeated Dr. Light, or, I'm sorry, Dr. Wily, a million times. And, he, you know, he's, he's this out-of-shape goof? That doesn't make any sense. And so Mighty Number no. 9 is going to fix all of that, every disrespectful thing that Capcom did to, to such a great, great franchise. Uh, here's your answer. Kaiji's doing, doing great work. Check it out. There's a link in the show notes, SovereignTech.com. I'll be right back with more. Oh, yeah. This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com. That's P-O-R-C therapy.com. Now back to Sovereign Tech. What are you doing? I can't believe I caught you again. You know, Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. I know, baby, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. Well, it ain't. But I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. It's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature, if you ask me. But, baby, I don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites, 
new gadgets, video games, software, or any of that stuff. Well, then I'm leaving. Okay. Bye. Pick of the week. It is time for Pick of the Week, and I am joined by Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Thank you so much for being here. Can you reenact? Because you actually did all those... Th- that whole I did. intro. You know what? I couldn't do it if I tried because what I did was just say those lines in my normal voice, although with the southern accent. <laughs> and then I shifted the pitch using audacity to make myself sound like a man. But I could try. Let's try. Hey, Brian. <laughs> I love playing video games. <laughs> do you like it too? Maybe we could go in my room and try some. Sounds like a dang good idea. No, sorry. <laughs> Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. You can almost get that one. There you go. <laughs> That's great. Uh, anyway. It's a pretty random skit, yeah. but I think it's cute. <laughs> it was good. Um, so this is Pick of the Week, and where I get to talk about, you know, pretty much anything that, that I want to talk about. And, you know, I was going to talk about Iron Man 3. Um, which is a movie that came out this summer. Uh, I am an Iron Man fan, I guess you could say. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly, the movie was rah-rah, save the president, go superhero. Oh, no. Uh, which, which was exactly the exact opposite of what I enjoyed about Iron Man 2, which is where Tony Stark pretty much came out and said, hey, I, uh, you know, I privatized world peace, and he made an ass out of all these congressmen. It was phenomenal. One of, one of my favorite movie moments of all time. So anyway, I don't want to talk about that. There's nothing to really say. You know, the movie was okay. It was popcorn fun, but it, it's just your run of the mill. Yay. Go oh, good. Because I was going to say, I have nothing to say about that. Yeah. I didn't see <laughs> the movie. Fine. I have no clue what the movie That's is. That's fine. I think we could talk about a movie that we both have seen. And wow, that's pretty rare. Yeah, pretty I don't watch too many movies, <laughs> but we did actually watch this together. Yeah, we watched this together, and it's really, in my opinion, I mean, just an absolute classic, and actually kind of inspirational to me, um, and it's Stargate. Inspirational in that I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was younger. Uh, I, I thought better of it, fortunately, or pretty quickly. You just wanted to go to another planet where there were attractive Egyptian slave women yeah minus the slave well anyway that's another topic (laughs) um but yes so we watched stargate this is from 1994 it was the first movie made by Roland emmerich and dean devlin who later went on to make independence day uh and such flops as uh godzilla uh the, the the new the 98 version of godzilla i love godzilla movies kaiju films are amazing um but that was a flop and like day after tomorrow they're actually going to be remaking i just learned this today they're going to be remaking stargate uh they've and they've got a movie deal and they're going to do a trilogy and uh you know, and but it's not a movie that I think needs a remake. I mean, now, now this is the first time you you saw it. This is from 1994. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think, oh well, you know, unless it came out in the past five years, the you know the the, the movie's going to look cheap or the effects are rough or something. Oh no, like that. it was really good. It, yeah, everything yeah. looked good, right? I mean, everything looks solid. Um, Even when they're going through the Stargate, like there's this weird effect that you told me that they did it by like putting a vacuum cleaner underwater or something like yeah, that? Yeah, what they did is, okay, when they start the Stargate, um, now that that's... there. There's a whooshing effect that kind of, like, goes out the back of it, and it looks like this... It almost looks like a tornado. 
uh, a horizontal tornado. And what they actually did was is they, they took a tank of water and they took a you know vacuum and essentially put it in reverse and they forced air into the water to make that effect and then like sucked oh. it back in with the vacuum cleaner. And so, yeah, no CGI there. And it looks incredible. Uh, you know, be, because it's it's real water. I mean, and, and there's always something to be said for that. That um, you that's know, creative. Yeah, yeah. That actually, that things even as good as CGI is, without CGI, things still look kind of better. And I think there's some truth to that because as good as you can get something to look, you you never get like that grimy look to to work out that well. Even today with, with CGI, right. um, as to where if you watch something like Star Wars, which we have to watch that at some point, <laughs> um, you know the ships look very very legit, even though they're models, mm-hmm. uh, because everything looks really rough and the effect the lighting affects everything in a very real way. You uh, know what that made me think of when sure. you told me about how they did that effect was uh, in Star Trek. The Next Generation. Yeah. Um, I remember a great show. You know, I used to watch that all the time. And oh, yeah. I remember one time watching a behind the scenes kind of thing where they were talking about how they did some of the effects. It's so hot that you're watching behind the scenes Star Trek stuff. Go oh, ahead. I'm a nerd, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certified. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. They were talking about how they made the effect for when somebody gets beamed up in the transporter or mm-hmm. beamed down. And they had this. I remember it very clearly. They had this glass, basically a glass of water that was full of glitter, like right. blue glitter, and they would stir it, yep. and it would it would be like the glitter would be swirling around in the glass, right? And then they would just take that and cut out kind of like the shape of a person, and then fade it in and out. Yeah, they just kind of superimpose it. Yeah, so, so there was no CGI there either. It was actually a film of glitter yeah, swirling and, around in a glass, and still a great looking effect. Yeah, um, it looked totally. Yeah, look great. <laughs> in fact, I think Star Trek, the effects in Star Trek: The Next Generation, which are from at least eighty-seven, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty-seven, still look phenomenal. Yeah, uh, you know they still hold up very, very well. Um, so anyway, Stargate. Of course, for those that don't know, I imagine most do, especially listeners of this show. But for those that don't know, Stargate is about um, essentially they, you know, the this archaeologist in the early 1900s finds a in an ancient what's thought to be an ancient egyptian um structure mm-hmm. and it's this ring you know and that's why they call it a stargate and you know 50 60 70 years later suddenly this guy you know the government sadly the it's military the government the military it. yeah they're they're trying to get it to work and, and they're incompetent, and they can't right. understand hieroglyphics. Right. And so they get this guy, Daniel Jackson, who figures it out how to turn it on. And he's an Egyptologist. He's a, uh, right. a expert in hieroglyphs and stuff. Exactly. And he interprets everything correctly, and he figures out what all the symbols mean and all this stuff. And so they, they start the Stargate, and you know the military and Daniel, a military team and Daniel Jackson, they go, to, they go through the Stargate to find out what's on the other side. And it's this planet, which pretty much looks like a giant planet. If Egypt were a planet, it'd be this planet called Abydos, um, which is interesting because Abydos is actually a city in, in Egypt. But anyway, um, or it's a name of a city that's worth in ancient Egypt or in, in modern Egypt. There's still oh. there, there's still an Abydos um, as far as I know. Anyway. Uh, and so they go through and they find these, you know, they find humans there and these humans are mining things. And then this, this pyramid spaceship comes down throughout the film and you find out that, um, not that 
not that aliens it's an alien piloting this thing Mm -hmm. and you don't find out that aliens like created humans but that aliens were very much involved in humans developing like culture um but they were being used as slaves of course by this alien ra right so the story was this alien ra visited Mm -hmm. ancient egypt kidnapped a couple people and what took him back to the planet and then made him slaves, but forbid writing so that nobody could really communicate. Right, because what happened on Earth, when Ra was ruling Earth, um, there was a rebellion. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to the Stargate, is they buried it. And the rebellion was able to occur, by Ra's logic, it was able to occur because they could write to each other. Mm-hmm. And they could like tell each other history, or they could coordinate. And so on, on Abydos, when he, you know, where he kind of reseeds the planet there um, with humans, you know, the writing's outlawed. So that yeah. way that revolution can't occur. And it hadn't yet, you know, and, and all that time had passed and it hadn't yet. So maybe Ra was right. And uh, he like assumes the body of this young yeah, boy Yeah, he takes or on a human host. Because he wants right. to be young forever. That's his motive. Right. right? And human bodies are apparently very repairable. And he has like the sarcophagus that... Where he's regenerating. Where yeah. it regenerates, you know, keeps him from dying, keeps him young. And he's got these henchmen that are dressed like the Egyptian gods with yep. these heads of falcons and stuff. Yeah, and they look like Horus or mm-hmm. whoever. And they, you know they're actually like helmets mm-hmm. these retractable helmets so it tries to make sense of where what did the ancient egyptians see where did all that mythology of theirs come yeah, from that was clever yeah, it was clever and it's kind of an age it's very much an ancient alien which we've you and i actually have talked <laughs> about on this show in the past and of course we've we've watched there's that very famous documentary show kind of pseudo documentary show uh, <laughs> uh you know a, uh, ancient aliens and so he's pushing it yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you know stargate is seeing the ancient alien theory or ancient astronaut theory as a call as it's called seeing what it could really be like you know it's it's a reenactment essentially of of how all that could have been but you found it enjoyable i liked it i thought it was a good movie yeah yeah i mean i i you know what did you have any overall thoughts of parts that you just thought were maybe unbelievable or oh gosh uh i don't know i mean part of the way that the the slaves like rebelled at the end was Mm -hmm. by taking guns that were from the military that they had brought over right and uh i didn't really like that aspect of the plot like i would have preferred some kind of uh uprising where they use their brains it was like a little more of an intellectual kind of revolt rather than just shooting the yeah bad aliens yeah i mean great movie if if anyone listening hasn't seen it i definitely recommend it i assume you'd recommend it as well yeah totally yeah uh i agree i i actually i think it's ridiculous that the military would be going yeah. to this they're, other they're almost like painted as the heroes you know and yeah and then there's that main character who's the the captain and yeah colonel o'neill yeah yeah and he's kind of i mean he's a stereotypical kind of gi joe type character right and you know it, he's really painted very the 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 viewer is kind of supposed to empathize with him and yeah yeah there's there's kind of a tragedy that happens in his life and why mm-hmm. he's doing all this stuff um but you know, it, it it does raise like what do you think of the possibilities of that story being true? <laughs> um yeah, sure. It's it's possible. I mean, 
just like the idea that maybe humans at one point were way more advanced than people thought. Yeah. No, obviously there are that, certain things you you really it's hard to explain. Right. Like how did the pyramids get there? Yeah. How did what, what I mean, were they used for? Maybe it's not actually as tombs. You know. Right. Right. And and in fact, actually, this is kind of the. the, the this was the part that the, the, there's there's certain things in. It. I mean, not that you expect you know a uh, 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 you know a, a, a summer blockbuster film or actually I, I think that came out in november i think it was a fall movie if, if i remember correctly but anyway you wouldn't expect that to like get everything right you know but th- there's points about it like the idea that that daniel jackson's like well there's a pyramid there's a reproduction of the pyramid of giza so there's got to be writing around here somewhere one of the oddball things about the pyramids of giza is that there is no writing on them which doesn't make any sense because I agree Daniel, you know, should be thinking like, okay, well, there's got to be writing somewhere right. because the Egyptians wrote fucking everywhere. Yeah. But then they didn't write in the pyramids, which is odd. Right. In and of itself, uh, which lends me to believe that they didn't build them. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> or they were used for, I mean, like there's, there's this one engineer who claims that like the pyramids were like a giant battery or something. Yeah, or the great pyramid. a power plant of some kind. Yeah. Christopher Dunn. Yeah. Like, and if apparently like, you know, you can make a replica where they have these like tunnels going through the sides of the pyramid and he was alleging, you know, if you pour some kind of zinc uh, solution with hydrochloric acid, then it makes a big battery. And then they had this like hydro, hydro power where like the Nile, was coming into the bottom and kind of pounding a ceiling and there was like evidence of water in the ceiling. And, right, right. And, you know, somehow that's all making electricity and they're powering stuff. And then there's like, how did people see in the pyramids? You know, because the sunlight doesn't reach inside. And no. there's not even, you can't even really light matches or, or flames because there's not enough Right, there's oxygen. not enough oxygen when you get deep enough. And so, then there's so all how these weird chambers. It? and Yeah, and then there are kind of these drawings that look like they are kind of like light bulbs, you know, and it's, not really you know there's which people, are other buildings mainstream archaeologists kind of claim it's like a lotus flower but it really looks more like a light bulb you right know? <laughs> right and, and so you know but the, i mean that's kind of the great thing about stargate is that there are all these big questions of wait a minute no the idea that these guys that that these ancient egyptians who were not very far removed from using stone knives and bearskins somehow pull all this stuff off yeah and so it's not you know it's science fiction but admittedly it's not that outlandish you know yeah or at least it's not outlandish to think that someone else did this you know somebody advanced yeah did did, did this uh or created the pyramids or whatever um you know as far as like a stargate actually existing eh, no I, I don't know i don't the science behind that I don't think is is there. Like, I don't think that's really, especially in this, like they end up going yeah. to a whole other galaxy. That was kind of a of plot seconds. element that they had to put in so that they could yeah. make the movie work. But uh, yeah. yeah, other than that, it's, it's very interesting and it was an entertaining film. I have yeah, to say. It, it, it is an entertaining film. So there you have it from someone that really doesn't enjoy, doesn't like movies so much. No, yeah. but I like that one. Stargate was good. So check Beam it out up. if you haven't. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, Stephanie, so much for being on. I hope you had oh, a great time. Oh, this is so much fun. Awesome. Uh, I'll see you next week. Carpe Lucem. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. 
Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>